0: Vaccine's a constant focus as the COVID-19 pandemic rages on. Now, we talk a lot about COVID booster shots at this point, but there is one group that hasn't been cleared yet to get any shots. Of course, that's children four years of age and younger. What's the status of COVID vaccines for the youngest among us? Why is it taking so long? How can parents of young kids navigate the Omicron surge? To talk about all this, we caught up with Dr. Jennifer Hamilton. She is a professor of family, community, and Preventative Medicine at Drexel University College of Medicine. Give a listen. Everyone has been cleared for a COVID vaccine, except for the youngest among us, newborns to, to four years old. Are we close? Do you think we—that that is something we will see in the relative future? Because it's interesting. I heard a lot of drum beats leading up to 5 to 11 and a lot of drum beats. For tw- I haven't heard that for this group.
1: I think it's something that we're gonna see in the next couple of months. Pfizer and Moderna are both working on vaccines for the under five age group. Um, Pfizer has had some results already that were not as positive as they would have hoped. Um, Moderna has said that they hope to have material to present to the FDA by the end of January. So looking at the timeline from when that gets into the FDA allow another couple of months for things to work their way through the system and be reviewed. We might be looking at vaccines down to six months, hopefully sometime this
0: spring. What is it that takes so long? What is the difference? Is it worrying about if the vaccine's effective? Is it trying to figure out the dosage for a younger, smaller person and make sure there's not too much? I mean, I'm sure it's not just one thing, but why is this different for a three-year-old than it is for a seven-year-old?
1: It's both of the above. Part of the difficulty is that the immune system of a very young child is different than the immune system of a 10-year-old, is different than the immune system of a 70-year-old. We already know it's been practiced for many years that some flu vaccines aimed at seniors have a higher dose than the ones for people in their 20s. And you wanna make sure that you get a dose that's strong enough to be effective, but you also don't wanna have problems causing more side effects. Uh, Some of these vaccines we have seen concern about Uh, Blood clots with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the mRNA vaccines have been associated with a very rare uh, side effect of inflammation of the heart called myocarditis. We want to make sure that that's not going to happen if we give these vaccines to young children. Part of the reason is that so many more people who are older have serious outcomes from COVID. At this point, we're recording this in the beginning of January, we've had over 800,000 people in the U.S. die from COVID-19. Of that, under 800 have been children 12 and under. So you know, if you're doing the cost-benefit analysis, you really, really, really want to take the time, make sure the vaccine is as safe as you can possibly get it before you send it out into the world.
0: I have seen on social media, specifically, a lot of parents that, frankly, with this Omicron variant and how overwhelming it appears at the moment of this recording, that are freaking out, not just that they can't get their kid vaccinated, but that they don't really have a feel for when they are going to be able to. How should parents handle this situation with kids that aren't eligible to be vaccinated, but we're living in a world where this variant is just running rampant.
1: One of the things I would tell parents, and I do tell parents in my own practice, is that in kids, most of the time, and you hear me hedge, but most of the time Omicron affects children like a bad cold or something on the order of the flu. Those are things that parents are used to seeing and are used to dealing with the rare complications, you know, we are seeing more children wind up needing hospitalization. We are seeing more children wind up needing intensive care, but those are things that are occurring at a much lower rate than in the adult population. So even though it's something to be concerned about and it's something to be thoughtful about, it's not something to think that, oh, everyone's getting Omicron, and if my child gets it, they're going to wind up going to the hospital. Most of the time, kids get sick for a couple of days and then get better. It's just because so many children are getting sick at once because nobody's seen this virus before. People don't have immunity to it. We're having all the kids who are having problems with it go to the hospital at the same time, and that's really skewing our numbers.
0: For the kids that are being hospitalized. Are we seeing the same thing? Is it like a, a really bad flu? Are the, the symptoms that they're dealing with kind of the same general idea that when it gets to a bad level, but we see kind of the same or is it kind of all over the place?
1: It's fever. It's breathing difficulties. Those are the problems that are sending children to the hospital when they start having problems getting air. Omicron seems to be affecting the airways up in the mouth and the top of the chest more than it is affecting problems deep in the lungs. And kids' breathing passages are narrower. So they're more likely to have that very wheezy, hard time getting air into the lungs, even though their lungs might be okay. So it's a breathing problem, but it's not a lung problem necessarily. The other thing that we don't know yet the other forms of COVID that we've seen already have been associated with something called multiple immune syndrome-child, MISC. And we don't know how many of the children who develop Omicron are going to go on to develop MISC. That has tended to affect the heart more than any other organ. And that tends to happen two to six weeks after the infection with COVID. So we're just about at the point where we're going to start finding out whether that's something we need to be concerned about.
0: When it comes to dealing with not being able to vaccinate your kid and trying to keep your child safe, how good should you feel if you're a family of five, everybody else is of vaccination age and has done everything they can is that the best thing you can do to make sure everybody around that child that spends every day with that child is, is fully vaccinated? I, I mean, nothing is foolproof, but are you doing the best thing by surrounding him with people that are fully vaccinated?
1: Fully vaccinated is part of it, building that cocoon to protect the child. The other thing is the steps that you can take that aren't vaccination, where we've been saying all the time, wearing a mask, you're not going to get a six month old to wear a mask, but the parents can wear a mask when they do go out. People are paying more attention to ventilation and airflow in public buildings than they ever did before. Things like that, that help reduce the virus in the area around the child. You're not gonna be able to vaccinate for a while yet. Making sure that the people around the child are immunized is gonna help and making sure that the people around the child are taking other steps, things like masking is gonna help as well. Even if the parents are vaccinated, this is not the time when I would gather with 10,000 of my closest friends to celebrate some holiday. Keep it small, stay with one other group of friends maybe, and just limit your exposure as a family.
0: When it comes time that this group will be able to be vaccinated, do you expect it will be the same routine? It will be one shot followed by three weeks, another shot, and then probably a booster because they're so small. Could it be just one shot or is that is all this still to be determined?
1: It doesn't look like it's going to be just one shot. If you look at the schedule for childhood vaccines that we've had for a long time, things like the DTP for diphtheria, tetanus and whooping cough, that needs many shots to establish immunity in kids. And I think it's gonna be something more on that order. You might remember that I said that the Pfizer vaccine, we got some results and they weren't as good as we would have liked. It looked like it did provide immunity for two doses, but it waned very quickly. So now Pfizer is going back and seeing, do we need to make this a three dose vaccine to begin with? Don't label it two doses and a booster just say, Hey, this is going to need three shots. If it's going to do anything with any degree of long lasting to it.
0: And I mentioned, you know, parents are freaking out. And I talked about how just for me, I felt like, you know, you could feel the run up to each age group coming. And I haven't felt that with this group, have we done a good job of giving information to parents of these very young children of what they can expect, where we are in the process because it just it does feel different than the 5 to 11 and 12 to 16-year-olds we saw.
1: And I would agree with you. It does feel different. The information isn't coming out as loudly as it did previous times. And I think part of that is just there's so much new information coming out in the past couple of weeks about Omicron. The CDC has been having new announcements about how to isolate and when to test every couple of days these past weeks. So any new information about vaccines isn't really being heard over all the other things that are going on. You know, If you know where to look, for example, the New York Times webpage has a vaccine tracker and you can see where different vaccines are in their stages of development and get a sense of, okay, what's Pfizer doing now? When is Moderna gonna have more news for us? But unless you go looking for it and you know where to look for it, it is tougher to find.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.